Hi family, welcome to the PIWC Accra podcast, where we are inspired, challenged, and equipped to possess our spheres of influence with principles and values from the Word of God, preached and taught powerfully by anointed and seasoned men and women of God. We believe strongly that this word will bless your life. So do not keep it to yourself. Share it with someone you know needs to hear it. It is our prayer that the entrance of the word of God would bring light and impart understanding to your heart. The message for today, be blessed. Today we're going to talk about raising the family altar. Can you imagine what heaven will look like? People of all races, all tribes. So here on earth, we are, we are modeling how heaven looks like. So please, when you meet your brother, don't allow tribe to divide us. Because we are family. Building or raising family altars to strengthen the local church. So we all come from homes, families. So the local church is an aggregation of small, small families. So if we are trying as much as possible to reposition the local church, then we must first of all reposition the family. Because in the local church are small, small families. So therefore, it is important to ensure that we reposition the family to strengthen the local church. In fact, COVID even taught us a lesson. When we were all confined in our homes, that it's important to raise our family altars so that the local church will be strengthened. Is somebody hearing my voice? So raising the family altar to strengthen the local church. The agenda to possess the nation is aimed at transforming every sphere of society with values and principles of the kingdom of God. The family which remains the foundation of the society must be the focal point in this transformation agenda. Marriage, therefore, is one of the oldest through which we get Families is the oldest institution in the world. That is why it is in Genesis, not in Leviticus. That is why marriage precedes Christianity. That is why God, in chapter 1 of Genesis, when he had done with creation, the first institution was marriage. So marriage is the fundamental focal point in building a strong society. And therefore, if you are strengthening and realigning and repositioning the families, we must first of all deal with the marriage, the entry point. We have people called street children. But I don't know whether street children is a male or a female. Or who gave birth to them? Who is the mother of street children? And who is the father? They come from homes through marriage. And therefore, 
our agenda of possessing the nation must target the marital home from where people like street children can be breed. So when we are well consolidated, we will no longer have street children because who gives birth to them? I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, every home that is broken, may the Lord through this family altar realign every home that is broken in the name of Jesus. Oshare be somebody. In the case of Christianity, we have established that marriage is one of the oldest institutions in the world. So, you must respect marriage. In the case of Christianity, marriage is a sign that speaks to the world about the mystical union of Christ and the church. Ephesians chapter 5, 31 to 10. For this reason. For what reason? For this reason. A man must leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. For this reason, so that a home will be built, a society will be built, nations will be built. For this reason. For this reason. For this reason. So what it means is that marriage is a mystery. Once you come to the altar to marry, don't think only when you're a baby. I've got my own wife, my own husband. Realize that it is a mystical union of Christ and his church. Can you imagine a man called Hosea, a prophet? A prophet, prominent young man, maybe in PRWC, very vibrant, audacious. When he speaks, heavens come down. And then all of a sudden at the marriage committee, you hear this vibrant young man bring a lady. I've got a catch. You look into the eyes of the lady marriage committee member and you see that this is a notorious, promiscuous lady in town who has no name in the society. How will you feel? The marriage committee members will be perspiring and vibrating and looking into the eyes of the two sitting in front of them. The dignities among the marriage committee will be saying, hey, the men, I don't know what they will say. But that was the story of Hosea, a prophet. One day, the Bible says, when God began to speak prophetically to him, it was about marriage. Verse 2 of Hosea. You, prophet Hosea, go and marry the prostitute. When you give birth to children, all the children will not be yours. You know what you are getting yourself into. You give birth to three, but all of them will not be yours. But it is a mystical union between myself and the church. So do it. And when you do it, the way you conduct yourself in that marriage will be synchronized to the way I relate to the church. So do it. Hosea said comply. In fact, from verse 3, marriage was fine of chapter 1. But when the guy got to chapter 2, he was suffering. The guy was seriously suffering. And was ready to expose this lady in public. Because by chapter 2, they've given birth to 
They started giving birth to their children. In fact, first half of chapter 2 up to verse 13 was full of trouble and was lamenting. Oh, I will expose this girl. I will humiliate her. And it was illegal because a promiscuous wife or husband must be stoned to death. But as he was trying and trying and trying and full of anger to divorce, verse 16 appeared. Hosea chapter 2 verse 16. The entry point to getting a family. Raising family order. In that day declares the Lord, you will call me husband. You will no longer call me master. I will remove the names of the Baals from the lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and saw the battle I will abolish from the land so that all my life down in safety. Why is he now changing his narrative? And saying particularly in verse 14, I will begin now to speak tenderly to her. Therefore, I am now going to allure her and lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. This woman will go gallivant around and come back very late and still be carrying pregnancy, which you are not responsible. What do you think the man will do? Hosea will do, a prophet. In fact, the guy's anointing was dwindling. But as he was contemplating from verse 1 to verse 13 of chapter 2, he came to this verse and said, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I am now going to change the strategy because I know marriage is a mystical union. It is not because of my sake in this marriage. It is God whose purpose must be fulfilled. That is why I am in this marriage. Because he gave her to me. So, I will change the narrative. I will try to allure her, speak tenderly to her. So that she will now stop calling me master and call me husband. Difference. There are two things that I used to call husbands or man. But with different connotations. The first one, husband, means that the one who is a partner, who is a very loving. But to call somebody a master from the Hebrew word, it means he's a controller, he's domineering. So, as he begins to speak tenderly to her, the lady will now, this promiscuous lady will now begin to speak tenderly and begin to speak and say that you are my husband. The loving one who loves me and not the one who controls me. I pray that marital homes will be sound for Christ. Because that is the oldest institution we have. And it's the basis upon which the local assembly is built. Is somebody hearing my voice? Well, you say, Pastor, I am not married. But you must prepare yourself in a way that you will know that marriage is a mystical union. It's a mystery. So that you will approach it with all spiritual seriousness. And not just take things for granted. Don't just marry anything wearing skirt and blouse or trousers. But marry on purpose. And that purpose must be divine. And don't care about what people will say. But care what God is saying to you in this marriage. Is somebody hearing my voice? So one of the effective ways to raise godly children is by raising family altars in the Christian home. So your union of a man or a woman is something that heaven rejoices because your union is very strategic and God expects 
godliness and godly offspring from that. To achieve this task, beloved, we have a great deal of lessons to learn from the life and the times of the Puritans. The life and the times of the Puritans from the word purity who lived within the 16th and the 17th century whose life is worth emulating as far as raising family altars are concerned. Shall we read Malachi chapter 2 verse 13 to 16. The family is a crucial institution because it serves as the conduit through which God blesses his people. Malachi chapter 2. Another thing you do, you flood the altars with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offspring or accept them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why it is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Underline that. The Lord is acting in every Christian marriage. The Lord is acting as what? A witness between your wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your married covenant, has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly so guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Why? 16. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man covering himself with violence as well as with his garments, says the Lord God Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. So when God acts as a witness between you and the wife of your youth. How will you feel? At a marriage ceremony, sometimes you see that, and even the preamble, we have come to witness the union of our brother and our sister. But we leave God out. But biblically, God is the witness. Because after everything, the witnesses, we go home. Witnesses don't stay in the marriage through the entirety of the marriage. But the divine witness stays through the entirety of the marriage. So if pastor is not there to see how you punch your wife, this witness, he's already there. The way you speak to your husband, you don't speak same to your boss. This witness looks at you and says, hey, and you come to and sing in church. The way you bow to pastor, oh, papa, papa, by your husband, hey, your food is there. He is a witness. From today, know of a certainty, this is Bible, that God as what? Witness between your wife of your youth. And this witness will not close his eyes. He's watching 24-7. He's everywhere. Even when the two of you are at different points, he watches you. That is the mystical union of Christ and his church. He is the witness. And what he wants from you is to bring out godly offspring. How you build the altar in the family. Is part of the mandate he gives. Is somebody hearing my voice? And when we talk about the family of God, we are not talking about your biological children. Anybody that perchance by divine coincidence is in your household is part of that family. And you must ensure you raise that family altar to build that local assembly in your home. What you have in a sense. In fact, if we do these things, pastors will not have too much trouble. 
Because the husband is the pastor. The wife is the assistant pastor. The first child is the senior catechist in the house. Organizing the family altar. But if the wife and the husband don't pray together. Or the two of them always are fighting. Where is the family altar? May the Lord grant us grace. The lesson we are learning from this reading is that marriage is a covenant. A three-way relationship in which the couple is accountable to God who acts as a witness. A generational blessing is guaranteed if the entire household is included in the relationship. A generational blessing is because godly children come out of every marriage that God is a witness. And they keep faith with each other. That is why we want to pick lessons from the Puritans, as I've said, who lived in the 16th century. And I'll briefly talk about what were the views of these Puritans in terms of marriage. Which is building the families that will help the local church. One of the outstanding Puritans is called Jonathan Edwards, who lived in 1703 to 1758. Jonathan was the only son out of 11 children. Ten girls, one guy. But these views, six views, I am going to run us through quickly. They espoused them and they knew of a truth that once I marry, God is a witness. And whatever I do within the marital union, God is a witness and he's interested. And the result of which must turn out godly offspring. So I must conduct myself very well. These Puritans, when they separated themselves from the ordinariness of people marrying, and then committed themselves to the agenda of pursuing great families. 150 years later, when they traced the family tree of Jonathan Edwards, these were some of the findings. He was a Puritan, committed to family vows, committed to the biblical principles of marriage. 150 years later, when they trace their history, one U.S. vice president, 30 judges, renowned judges, 65 professors, three U.S. senators, 13 college presidents or vices, 80 public officers with high reputation, three governors, three mayors, 100 missionaries, Jonathan Edwards. I pray in the name of Jesus, what you do now, May generation come 50 years to trace your family tree and know that there lived a man who committed himself to the family vows and used the principle of the Bible to govern his hope. But there are some homes. Offsprings have become sweet children. Drug addicts. May the Lord forbid. Oh, I said may the Lord forbid. May the Lord forbid. The Puritan's view of marriage, we want to walk through through these six. These were the views that helped people like Jonathan Edwards and his family to live up to expectation. I see blessings. 50 years to come, I see, even when you are dead and gone, I see that God is raising a certain family. Oh, in the name of Jesus. That would change the expression of Christianity here on earth. Richard Buster wrote these six. Powerful view. 
of the Puritans. One, in the family union, the couple are entirely supposed to love each other and avoid all things that tend to quench their love. The family or the couple, because out of the two of you, we are going to get the family. So, what you have to do is that the Puritans, they commit themselves to love each other and avoid all things, all means all, that will tend to quench their love. Because the centerpiece of the first marital home is love. The first divine role you are supposed to play, especially the man, is to love your wife. Love. And to avoid all things that tend to quench the love. Number two, to dwell together and enjoy each other. To dwell together and to enjoy each other. To dwell together and to enjoy each other. Are you enjoying your wife? Are you dwelling together? And faithfully join as helpers in the education of their children. And then the government of the family. There are some men, they don't care what goes on in the house. Ah, but I have given you money. It is not enough to give money. You must be intentional about what the money you place at home is doing. Check your children, homework. Ensure that your wife is well. Everything is well. Number three, especially to be helpers of each other's salvation. You are supposed to carry your spouse to heaven. This is the Puritan view of marriage. Take your wife to heaven so you don't get yourself this accolade of very powerful man of God. When your wife is trailing, you must carry her along. Is somebody hearing my voice. And be each other keep, other's keeper. As far as the person's salvation is concerned. Because they are committed to help each other in their salvation. Four, to avoid all dissensions and to bear with those infirmities, physical weakness or ailments, or moral weakness or failings in each other, which cannot be cured. Chairman was doing this illustration. I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like him. So they brought the matter to him. And the problem was that he or she liked picking the news. In fact, when the person was asked, to explain herself, the first thing she did was to pick the news. What's that, you see? <laughs> Even in my presence. I mean, there are some things, the environment in which the person was raised has affected the person. Like snoring. Because of snoring, you have left your matrimonial home and sleep in another room. You are breaking some separation spiritually, but you are not away. Oh, is somebody hearing my voice today? Some people dwell on the minors too much. But we must be each other's keeper in terms of what? Salvation. Not these, these, these things. So that is the purity. I find it very critical to avoid all dissensions and to bear with those infirmities. Physical weaknesses. Moral weaknesses. What we are trying to say is that there are certain things that will not... In fact, when we go to heaven, you will not see it. So manage it. And let's go to heaven together. And when we go to heaven, he will never snow again. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. The fifth one, to keep conjugal chastity and fidelity. 
and to avoid all unseemly and immodest conduct with one another, which may stir up jealousy, and yet to avoid all jealousy, which is unjust. Any appearance of evil or unwarranted suspicion, you must avoid it. Young ladies get attracted to you. I mean, you are fine, man. man. You are fine. You are beautiful. How on earth do you call somebody's wife late in the night? Because she is a prayer warrior member. And the husband is not a prayer warrior member. Are we together? Let us add some wisdom to what we do. We may not have seen. But the session call to this lady at special hours in the night is raising concerns. You got to check it. You got to check it. And the woman God has placed in them some kind of light to see where there are dangers. But the men, we are stubborn. The men, we are stubborn. When your wife speaks to you, hey, watch this lady. The lady may not even have the intention, but watch it. In fact, somebody said, avoid the second look. Because if you try the second look, you can never avoid the third one. Let us try to be careful and conduct ourselves very well. Even as singles, the way you conduct yourself, people will think you are already married. So you have one of all potential husbands and wives. Be careful. Let's carry ourselves very well. And that is all that the Puritans are saying. That we keep our conjugal chastity and fidelity. Can I ask you a question? Since you married, have you gone out of your marital home? It's a question you must answer. And you must ask God for forgiveness if you have travels. Otherwise, God's blessings, which he has pleased for generations, will not come according to Malachi. Finally, to help one another to bear their burdens, such as poverty, crosses, sicknesses, dangers, to comfort and support one another. When your wife is sick, how do you stay at home? Even get two days off to take care of your wife. But when you felt sick, your wife spent quality time with you. It is the member I am speaking to in this place, and I am one of them. Your vibrancy and your spirituality, I must see it in your home first before you come to church. May the Lord help our weaknesses. Your marriage is breaking, but you too, you don't want to stop. What is making it break? It is affecting your children, and you will seem to be insensitive to that. Child of God. You are taking your wife to heaven. You are taking your husband to heaven. Woman, don't stop until that, that ego in her is jettisoned. Because God brought you into his life, her life, to ensure that he or she gets to heaven. And that is why you are in the marriage. That is why you are in the marriage. Think about it. We must be intentional about this family thing we are talking about. Young men and young women who are entering this is how you must view marriage. Because we are going to build a home. Because a family altar can alter a family. The altar you build today can change the destiny of the family. Don't tell yourself the ministry first. 
and the family second. Don't also say the family first and the ministry second. You must balance it. God must be in every area of your life. Your business, everything. Balance it. I want to throw a hand of invitation to anyone who has heard this. The totality of the solution for mankind, friends, is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter where you stand. It doesn't matter the signs you are looking for. Christ Jesus became a curse on the cross so that the curse of the law will be broken and you'll be liberated to live like the child of God. It doesn't matter the wisdom you are looking for, but clearly if you look around you, we see that every wisdom of human beings leads to another problem. But the wisdom of God is perfect and it has been offered in Christ Jesus. I speak to you, Jesus, who is the answer to all problems. He touches the Jews and touches the Gentiles. He is in the middle drawing all, reconciling all unto God. Will you give your life to Jesus? Christ Jesus is the totality. In fact, he is the perfect sign and he is the wisdom that is required to live. I don't know where you have come from or where you are hearing us from, but Christ Jesus is the answer to the world. Who wants to accept Jesus? Today is the day, tomorrow may be too late. He is the answer to all problems. We love Jesus. We love Jesus. Come to Jesus. If you accept him, indeed you are welcome into the kingdom of his majesty. You become a child of God. You want to pray this prayer. I'm only guiding you through it. So you say it after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. And you came to die because of my sins. You resurrected for my redemption. I therefore accept you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Help me to serve you the rest of my life. Let's shout a big amen to that. Are you looking to find a place of worship where there is relevant teaching, heartfelt worship, passion and action toward the unsaved, constant prayer, compassionate care for the needy, and honest Christ-centered relationships? Then join us fellowship at the PIWC Dome at the Accra Technical Training Center, ATTC Kokomlimli Accra. Join our Miracle Dawn service every Wednesday, 5.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. and our Friday prayer meeting, dubbed Cry Out, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. For more information, contact us on 0502-444-814. You can also visit our website at piwcacra.org to know more. And let's get interactive on all social media platforms at PIWC Accra. Thank you. Until next time, we pray that you would reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace. You are blessed.